Hey, welcome to Let's Talk with your host, Kelvin Newkirk Jr. Listen, I'm so excited you're here. And let me tell you, this is the perfect podcast for you. Because on this podcast, we're going to have honest, open, and biblical conversations about things people love to talk about. Also about things people hate to talk about. So with that being said, let's hop into it. So hey everybody, welcome to another episode of Let's Talk with your host Kelvin Newkirk Jr. This is the 11th episode and I just have to take just a deep breath and just say thank you um, for all the support and everything. I know people say, oh my gosh, you say that all of the time, but I really mean that. I really appreciate all the support, all the love that I've gotten over this past season. Um, I'm really excited about how this season has came along, but most importantly, I'm more excited um, about the personal transformation, not only the personal transformation that I have personally dealt with, but really just the 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 plans and the and the wheels that are turning in my head for what's going to happen after the first season right um i think everyone who's invested into me i think everyone who's poured into me also who's poured wisdom or knowledge or just simply just let me know basically how to understand the wisdom and the knowledge that um that i'm receiving at that time so um, i'm really appreciative of that I'm really appreciative of the notes that I've borrowed from some people. I'm really appreciative of the ideas that I may have borrowed from others. Um, I'm really appreciative of that. And I know, um, I know, you know, I am appreciative every episode, but I really mean it. I really mean it. I really, really mean it. And I don't know what's going on with me today. I'm kind of hoarse. So if I sound very hoarse, I'm just letting you know, um, Hopefully you're not here for my voice once again, just like episode number three, because if you're here for my voice, I guarantee you, um, you probably are going to want to check out, but hopefully you don't do that. So um, with that being said, uh, let's jump into what the topic is, because I don't want to ramble on uh, too much longer. And so um, at a women's meeting um, not too long ago, actually last month, the last Monday of last month. We talked about a specific topic at our, at our church, and I had the opportunity to be a um, guest speaker or a co-speaker um, at that event, which I was very grateful for, and it was very transformative for me also. Um, but um, I just, man, it was just an awesome topic, and so I just said, hey, let's roll with it. So um, this has been cooking for a while. And it's one of the uh, most exciting topics that I get to talk about because it's something that I know for sure everyone deals with or has dealt with in their life. Um, whether you are a believer or not, um, I feel like you have dealt with this, but I'm going to give you a very biblical perspective. I'm going to give you a very Christian perspective on how to work this thing out. Now, let's talk about grudges. Today, we're going to talk about grudges. And so at the women's meeting, it was discussed um, and Christine, the women's ministry lead, um, who was the speaker, um, that night, she, um, gave a really, really good message on grudges. And so because I can't steal all of her notes, I'm just going to <laughs> just roll with my own. One thing about being around an amazing group of leaders and having an amazing group of influences in your life is that you really get to take all the knowledge and all the wisdom, all the silent sermons that you see, and you get to cultivate it and bring it, um, as, 
um, something like this. You get this shared on a podcast or on a platform um, such as what I'm doing. And it's just an amazing opportunity to be able to do that because I've seen a lot of silent sermons on this specific subject matter. And I think that is just an amazing thing to do. Actually, the women's ministry lead, her name's Christine Zelazo. She did an amazing job of explaining this. She also, um, a lot of people don't know her story, but if you know what she's been through these past few months, um, you'll get to know um, really uh, why this specific subject matter hits a little bit more home to her. Um, it hits very much home to me because there's been some grudges that I've had to kind of get rid of in my life. Um, and there's been some serious grudges that I've had to get into my life. And if you know my story, you know, um, for other people who don't know my story, just some family stuff and um, generational curses and things like that. And so I've built grudges up in my life because I felt like the generational curses that I feel pressure to break, I feel like they have been caused by other family members um, around me and that I know. And so I built up this huge amount of of just resentment towards them. And that's something that comes out of having grudges. After a while, you're going to build up resentment, right? But it shouldn't translate to resentment. It should always translate to grace. I think it's really imperative and important that we talk about how grace has an effect on the grudges that you have because it should all, because it should go hand in hand. And here's what I mean by that. Not only is grace the opposite of holding a grudge, right? Because a grudge equals to unforgiveness and, and grace equals forgiveness, right? They kind of go hand in hand a little bit, right? They're opposites of each other, right? But I think they should go in a pattern. I think that the grudge, if the grudge is going to come, it should come first, right? Because it's something that we're all going to deal with because we're human, right? We're going to have grudges, but it should always translate to grace. And so let's discuss that real quick, right? Because I've been, um, in situations where I've had a lot of grudges in my life and I've dealt with them. As a matter of fact, I've have some, I've had some recently and I actually have some now in my life. And so what's helped me the most with grudges was just understanding what forgiveness is, right? We must understand what forgiveness is before we realize how to deal with the grudges that we have, right? So let's break down forgiveness. Forgiveness is not the absence of pain. Just because you're called or you're asked to forgive someone, which we all are. We're all called to forgive, right? Just because you're called to forgive doesn't mean that the pain is just going to simply go away. And it doesn't mean that the pain that you have is getting demeaned. I think that's one of the things that I've heard a lot when it comes to grudges. Oh, but I have the right to be upset with them. I have the right to be upset with them because they hurt me, right? They cause a certain level of pain in my life. And while that is true, it still should not cause you to withhold your forgiveness. And I'm going to get into why a little bit later on. All right. Also, forgiveness does not mean reconciliation. Forgiveness does not mean that you can just go and build that bridge right back up again that was burnt down by the hurt or by the pain or by the circumstance or the toxic situation that you were in. No, 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 no. Now, if there is an opportunity for reconciliation, which we're going to get into a little bit later on, I believe personally you should take that. However, if there's no room for reconciliation and you know it and they know it and both parties know it, then guess what? Forgive, but forgive from a distance. Also, forgiveness is simply letting go, right? I know that uh, one thing that I've experienced is that over time, um, there's been times where I've been writing down things and so I'm a student. And so one thing I realized is I write a lot of notes. And so 
you know, if you write a lot of notes, you uh you tend to get cramps in your hand, right? Because all those muscles are constantly tightening up because they have to tighten up for you to be able to write. And so it feels so good when you're able to just open up your hand and relieve that pain and that stress and that tension that's going on in your hand. That's what it's like with our hearts. When God wants something in our hearts and we hold on to it, we're causing all, and it hurts. It hurts worse when we hold on to it than it does when we let it go. I guarantee you it does. And so what it means is, so it may not be for right now, right? But letting go always works out in the end when it, when you're called to let go, right? And forgive, that's what forgiveness is, is letting go. Letting go of the absolute resentment and bitterness you have in your heart towards another person, a situation, or organization, towards anything. So let's go through how to forgive. I have... Um, a few tips. Um, I actually have four tips on how to forgive um, someone, right? Well, three, three, if we're being real technical, but four in general, right? So let's go through them, right? So let's go through how to forgive. I think the first way we can forgive is not only by realizing what forgiveness is, but also by trusting God to deal with the person or people who hurt you I personally believe that forgiveness equals faith, right? Forgiveness is stepping out in faith. And I have a scripture to kind of back that up, right? Coming out of Romans. I love Romans. But let's look at Romans chapter 12, verse 19. It says, never take revenge, my friends, but instead let God's anger do it. For the scripture says, I will take revenge. I will pay back, says the Lord. Let's look at verse number 20. It says, instead, as the scripture says, if your enemy is hungry, feed them. If they are thirsty, give them a drink. For by doing this, you will make them burn to shame. And this is what it says in verse 21. This is where I'm going to cap this scripture off. It says, do not let evil defeat you. Instead, conquer evil with good. And that's the way that you conquer evil with good is trusting God to deal with that thing that hurt you, whether it's a person, whether it's a situation, whether it is a group of people. Remember that forgiveness is stepping out in faith. What's the second way someone may ask also, right? It's processing the pain by communicating the pain, right? So just because we're called to forgive doesn't mean that the pain is, is is like relieved or just automatically gone, right? Right. There is an aspect of that that's really practical, and that is just really communicating the pain that's going on, right? So it releases the load. Not only does it release the load, but it helps the other party just as much as it helps you out. Remember, um, like you're a believer, right? So the selfishness that we have secularly or carnally, we have to get rid of that, right? Because society teaches selfishness, right? You got to be selfish, right? You got to care about what, what you want, what you need, right? You don't have to forgive that person. You're not obligated to forgive that person. You're not, you don't, you don't have the right to just basically let them control you, Right. And so basically, when you say you forgive them, because I've heard this before, when you say you forgive them, you're basically giving them control. You're giving them power. You're letting them walk off in the sunset 
and you're letting them go off without any type of revenge or vengeance or anything, right? When kingdom says, hey, you're obligated to forgive just as I've forgiven you, right? That's what God says. God says, forgive as you are forgiving, right? Jesus says that. And we're going to go into that, but it just releases the load, right? And so while culture teach selfishness, we ought to teach selflessness, right? Because that's what Christianity is all about. Literally, the essence of Christianity is about selflessness, right? Right. The ever essence of that is about selflessness. We have God who sent his only begotten son to die for some sins that he did not commit. He died for sins that we haven't even committed yet. He died for that. That is the essence of selflessness. So we ought to be selfless also, right? And follow in Jesus' footsteps. So not only does it release the load for you, it releases the load for the other person, right? That's what happens when you communicate the pain. Also, it helps the other party, like we talked about before, but the selflessness, right? And it opens up doors to rebuild bridges, right? To reconciliate with someone else, right? So let's say if it's a relationship, not like a a, a friendship. Let's say if I have a relationship with my mother. Let's say if my mother um, has done something in my past that I really didn't enjoy and I really didn't like, right? I just can't say bye-bye mama and just leave her alone, no, she's my mother, right? I still have to honor her, right? And so in the process of honoring her, I communicate the pain. And so as I communicate the pain, it releases the load off of me. As it releases the load off of me, it helps my mother also because it gives us an understanding of how I feel. So now because she knows how I feel, she can empathize with me. She can sympathize with me and she can relieve the apathy she may have. And so as that goes through, it can open up doors, right? If she's willing and I'm willing, it can open up doors for us to rebuild that bridge back again, right? And to reconciliate. And most of the time I realize Sometimes when both parties are willing and when they apply themselves, I realize that that bridge is stronger built than it was created to be in the first place. And that's crazy, right? Because sometimes that bridge could have been built up and there could have been a few things wrong with it, some issues going on, some infrastructure problems, right? And so it could have got burned down, right? And got absolutely broken and crumbled up. However, now that they're reconciliated, now that me and my mother are reconciliated, we can build that bridge over again and it can be strong. All the details can be ironed out. It can be pretty too and a wonderful, a beautiful bridge. And it may be more beautiful than it was in the first place in the old bridge that we had. Right. And that's awesome. And that's amazing. So let's look at another way that we can forgive. Right. And this is number three. And that's praying for them. Pray for them. Right. And so, look, these aren't my words. Right. This is this is what the Lord calls for us to do. This is what Jesus wants us to do. So let's look at a specific passage of scripture. Let's look at Matthew chapter five, verse forty four. Now, let's give some backstory on this. This is a sermon on the mount. This is one of like like if this was like one of the if this is like a what's a good way for me to explain it? If this is supposed to be like a headline sermon in the Bible, this is a headline sermon in the Bible. Like this is coming straight from the Lord. This ain't coming from Jeremiah. This ain't coming from Malachi. This ain't coming from, from Jonah. This ain't coming from David. This ain't coming from any of the psalmists. This ain't coming from Paul. This is coming straight from Jesus's mouth. This is what he says. Not, not discrediting them. I'm just saying, I love when Jesus speaks because when Jesus speaks, like, is like, is like for real, for real, 
right? It's it's real. So let's go to I'm not saying that all the other authors in the Bible aren't real. I'm not saying that, but what I'm saying is I just love when Jesus speaks, right? I just love what he has to say because well, for one, he's very witty. Two, um, he's very outspoken, right? He's very it's just awesome. It's awesome to to really just see what he has to say about certain things. And I always love to hear what he has to say about certain things because that's the truth. That's it. Like that's it. Like, like it's this is this is if you if you have doubts about the Lord speaking with anybody else, with Jesus, you cannot have that doubt. That doubt, that doubt is not there. This is what Jesus says, right? I've heard people say if I've heard I've heard people um argue about the context of what Paul is saying. I've heard people argue about the context of what Jeremiah said or what Nehemiah said, or what David was saying in Psalms, or what or what anyone else was saying. But you can't argue what Jesus is saying right here. You cannot argue with that. And that comes out of Matthew 5, verse 44. It says, but now I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you so that you may become the children of your father in heaven. For he makes his son to shine on the bad and good people alike and gives rain to those who do good and to those who do evil. Whew. Why should God reward you if you love only the people who love you? Even the tax collectors do that. And if you speak only to your friends, have you done anything out of the ordinary? Even the pagans do that. You must be perfect, just as your father in heaven is perfect. Woo! That's good. I love that. So what is Jesus saying here? Jesus is saying that we should pray for our enemies. Pray for the people who persecute you, whether it's verbally, whether it's physically, in every other, in every situation of life, pray for those people who persecute you. Pray for them. And so here's one thing we have to realize about prayer. Prayer is a change of mindset. It's the it's changing your mindset to how big your problem is or your situation is or how big your hurt is to how big your God is. And that's that's just amazing, right? Because when you look at that, you get to realize that, hey, right, when I go into prayer, right, even though I'm praying about this person I do not like, I start to realize that, hey, it's not about me anyway. It's about you. So let me just take a second and acknowledge you for who you are in my life first. Because as I acknowledge who you are in my life first, I start to realize that, hey, maybe this grudge that I have, it may hurt me now, but it does not compare to the things that I may have done to God. And so as I realize the things that I may have done to God, I realize that, hey, maybe I need a little bit of grace too. And that leads to the next way that we can forgive. And that's realizing the grace that we have. Sometimes I think we really do not realize the grace that we have. We have so much grace, right? I was going through this with my best friend the other day, and we were having a discussion um, about a few things, and I and we were talking about really like how people build character, right? And how and how we are literally born into sin. We are born sinful people. Let me give you an example. Let me give you an example. Here are things that nobody taught us how to do. Nobody taught us how to be selfish. Nobody taught us how to be greedy. Nobody taught us how to lie. Nobody taught taught us how to how to take undeliberately. Nobody taught us those things. Everything that we've learned in life, 
from a young age to now, everything that we've been taught by our parents and stuff like that. I'm not saying that in like, because some people have jacked up parents. Some people don't have parents at all. But, you know, people who are raised in a home that, you know, where they were taught to be mannerable and stuff like that, they had to be taught manners. They had to be taught to mind their manners. They had to be taught to do good things. They had to be taught to do things that were honorable and worthy and righteous, right? So if we had to be taught how to do that. That obviously shows that we didn't already have that in us anyways. So nobody taught us how to be, nobody, nobody taught us how to be selfish, right? But we had to be taught how to be selfless. Nobody taught us how to be greedy, but we had to learn how to be considerate. Nobody taught us how to be mean, how to say mean things, how to just be just just snobby and rude, right? But we had to learn how to say thank you and please and be nice and be considerate of other people's feelings. We had to learn how to show empathy and sympathy for other people. We had to learn those skills. And so that shows, obviously, that we're pretty jacked up people when we really look at ourselves all the way, right? And so as we go into prayer, as we go into prayer, we ask for God's grace. But it's not just okay to ask for God's grace. It's to pray for the people who have also done you wrong and who need your grace. And so as you start to recognize how great your God is, you recognize his grace and how great his grace is. Then it allows you to focus on the grace that you receive, right? And the grace that you need to reciprocate. It shows you that. So let's look at another piece of scripture. Let's look at another piece of scripture. Let's go to Luke chapter 11. Let's look at verse 4. Mm, this is good. And we went over this um, in the Lord's Prayer. We went over this in the Lord's Prayer. Um, and and this is really amazing. And this goes really, really well with forgiveness. So let's go to Luke chapter 11, verse 4. It says, forgive us our sins, for we forgive everyone who does us wrong and do not bring us to hard testing. So let's look at this first part. It says, forgive us our sins, for we forgive everyone who does us wrong. I think the Lord points that that out because he wants us to realize that, hey, his grace is sufficient enough for us. So what is the difference between our grace and his grace? Our grace can't even come close to his grace. We need his grace daily. We need his grace all the time because every time we get it, we always slip out of it, right? Because we are born into sin, right? We have sin nature. Sin is an intertwined into our spiritual DNA. So we all need grace. And so that allows me to ask the question, well, is my grace greater than God's grace? Is my grace so good that I have to withhold it? And so this is what it really comes down to, folks. It really comes down to the fact that God has shown us so much grace and mercy, right? We sin every day. We go against what he tells us to do. We are constantly disobedient to him. We're constantly just, just we, we constantly mess up the plans that he may have for us. We constantly go into, go into areas where we, where we listen to ourselves and we put ourselves over God or we put other people over God or we put other things over God and we make idols of different things, right? And so some of the things that we do know, some of the things we don't know, but we still do it anyway. And so it still accounts for how jacked up we are just as people, right? We still have sin in our spiritual DNA. And so we always need grace, right? And so we always need grace. But it would be really, really bad for us to always receive the grace of God and never give it at all. 
It is our job as we receive grace to give grace. It's always our job to receive grace as we give grace, right? That's my formula. My formula for forgiveness is as we receive grace, you give grace, and that equals forgiveness, right? Because as you start to receive grace, you start to realize that, hey, it's different than me just asking for forgiveness. When I receive grace, I realize on the inside, I realize inwardly that, hey, there's something about me that's not right. There's something about me that needs someone bigger than me, and God is bigger than you. And as you realize how much you need someone bigger than you, you realize, hey, someone needs my grace. And we have a person who's perfect, who I've wronged multiple times, who's never wronged me, who's willing to give me grace. And he sets the example for how we should be as Christians. So let's remember that forgiveness does not equal the absence of pain. Forgiveness does not mean reconciliation, but forgiveness is simply letting go. And there's a process to that. It sounds easy, but it's really not. But the truth is, is that there's some things in life where we have to realize that we can't do it on our own. And we have to do it with God's help. And so as we do it with God's help, we realize that as we receive help from him, there's other people that need our help also. And it is our duty, it is our responsibility to give the help to the people who need the help the most. And actually, those are the people that have wronged us or that did us wrong in the past, for the people that's going to do us wrong in the present, for the people who may wrong you in the future. We have to realize this, and we have to realize that our grace is definitely not bigger than God's grace. So just as we receive grace, we ought to give it. So I encourage you to do that. I encourage you to look back over the scars that you may have had and look back on them and look at the situations in life that may have hurt you. Look at the things in life that may have done you wrong. And this is what I want you to do. What I want you to do is I want you to open up that book again and realize that you may have received grace out of that situation. But just as much as you receive grace out of that situation from God, you might want to go back and give a little bit too. And I encourage you to do that. With that being said, I am your host, Kelvin Newkirk Jr. I hope you enjoyed this episode. And if you love it enough, share it with a family or a friend. Share it with everybody you know. Share it with your uncles, your cousins, your aunties all of that. Share with your friends, share with your girlfriend, your boyfriend, whoever. And I'll catch you again next week. Bye-bye.